It's lights out, and away we go. Welcome to an American's Guide to Formula One. Now let's start the show. Get the final downshift in, and we're starting another episode indeed. I'm Andy Lewis. <laughs> and as you can tell, I'm I'm joined once again via the phone by Papa T-Sauce. Um, and we're here to discuss the Monaco Grand Prix or the qualifying session of the Monaco and the rain, really. Um, and I just want to say a special, I'm really glad to have you back, Dad. I missed you. Yeah, but I'm telling you, Maddie Patty. <laughs> and you threw down one heck of a of a podcast. I'm telling you, that was awesome. Yeah, I really enjoyed uh, having Matt on the podcast. Thanks again, Matt. I know you're listening. Um, had a blast. We'll have to do it again sometime. Maybe maybe next time we'll have to have us all three on. Um, because that would be a hoot and a half to have both of you on. Um, but I'm I'm happy that, to. Is a hoot? Is, hey, is a hoot and a half the same or more or less? than a Hoot Deluxe. Ooh. I think Hoot Deluxe has got to be more, right? That's, you know, you asked all your Texan like friends. Like a Hoot that's the way and it a is. half would be half of a Deluxe would be my, that, that's the way I would interpret it. And a Hoot Deluxe is like a Hoot and 7-8. Nah, at least two Hoots. Maybe, 15, maybe even three, you know, like, but let's not go crazy. We're getting 15, 16. Yeah. So borderline eleven. So what <laughs> what did you think of what did you think of um qualifying? The greatest qualifying well, session usually of the of the season in my opinion. Well I thought it was really great. I mean what can you say? I d- I, I mean, did get it's funny, I got I got repeats of last year's qualifying vibes for some reason. Maybe maybe a, a late late in Q three session crash that keeps one teammate ahead of another and oh, <laughs> co- yeah. locks the grid in. <laughs> something, yeah, it's like something sounds vaguely like, familiar there. Well, totally, exactly. Because I mean, that's in my notes too. About was it? Did it? Was it? Brendo said it's carnage into Portia. Yeah. So before we so, get before we get too too far ahead of ourselves, there was some some interesting things that happened earlier on in Q one or in um yeah Q one and Q two. Uh, I had noted noted that Hamilton was quite lucky and barely made it through Q one. That would have been pretty pretty embarrassing coming off of off of the success and the the pace pace jump that they had in Spain. To uh, then getting knocked out in Q- Q1, he was only only two tenths um, away from getting knocked out. Yeah. What uh, What else? What, did, what 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 jumped out at you? Well, the uh, in Q1, where um, there was a red flag at the end, toward the end, with like two and a half minutes left. Yeah. When Sonoda kind of like kissed the wall. Oh yeah, and they they threw a red flag really quickly, and Gasly was like on a ripping lap, and that that was where one of my moments with Martin came 
Yeah. <laughs> where the way the way they threw that red flag for something so simple while you know, at the very end of Q one at uh, at Martin, what, what does he say? Is they threw that red flag so fast that there was looking to see a yard sale. Yeah, I was expecting <laughs> to see a yard sale of a Formula One car out on the track. That was a that was a, that was definitely in contention for moments with Martin. But there were several, there were several good ones. There was another one where they were doing a replay. You know that famous replay where um, they go through the chicane and the car gets super tight, and it was they played this replay and he's and uh, Crafty's like, "Oh, you wouldn't want to get much closer than that because the tire is actually touching." And yeah, I probably made Brundle it goes, well, a, a miss is as good as a mile, you know? <laughs> but the one that, the, the moment that lasted, I think is, or the, the one that I did choose for moments with Martin, which we're going to play here in a second. So stick tight. Um, is a good one. It's a doozy. Um, oh man, there was, there was a bunch of them. This race. He, there was a ton. I, I, yeah. But, um, but you know the bad, the, the thing that that was bad about that whole thing in Q1 at the end there, is that Gasly was on a, shall we say, a cracking lap. Yeah, and he was yeah. looking really fast throughout practice and earlier yeah. in the session. It, that was one of the other things that I had noted was that two times during the, I think one was in free practice, but in Q1, Science, uh, Carlos Science, and. Um, Perez, oh, it wasn't it wasn't Gasly, but Science and Perez had the exact same time in Q1, and it was the second time that it had happened at Monaco, down to three decimal yeah. places. They had right. the exact same time, which I thought was just freaking crazy. And and Martin Brundle said that the you know the, the tens of thousands of of conscious and subconscious decisions that are different. But that add up to the exact same time. That's it's a pretty remarkable thing to see happen. Yeah, that was cool. That was a very interesting uh, outcome there. And what was it the in Q one that the top three were only separated by thirty three thousandths of a second? Thirty three thousandths of a second. <laughs> the other so that thing. Kinda, Go ahead. Sorry. Just like what you were saying that. Uh, what's the likelihood of? all the millions of, of decisions and your, your mind just subconsciously just puts together and you, you get a race where, or a quality lap where there's two exact times down to the thousands. And, and then the top three are separated by 33,000. It's just any little thing. That's why they look for any little thing yeah. to gain advantage. Yeah. Because it does, it is an advantage. Like that, literally thirty-three hundredths of a second could have meant the difference between third place on the grid and first place. Oh, it's thirty-three hundredths. That's right. Yeah. Which is, but it was no thirty-three thousand. Thousand. Sorry. Yeah, thousands. Yeah, thirty-three thousandths of a second. That was somebody's tape came off of their seams. Are. <laughs> Seven, yeah. seven extra flies splatted on that car. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, really. That's that's why when they're in there between science uh, didn't qualifying get, labs, they're, they're polishing the car. Yeah, science science didn't get all of the pee out before he got in, or he had he drank two more <laughs> sips of water, <laughs> and that that cost he him. Had to, that. He, had to, he had to pinch her off, otherwise he'd be late. Yeah. 
Um, but the other thing that I thought was really worth noting was that it seemed both in Q1 and most of Q2 that Sainz was looking faster and stronger than Leclerc. And then all of a sudden, Leclerc just goes someplace. And yeah. and then all of a sudden just puts in, as Ham- as, as uh, Bruttendale did say, a cracking lap and went two tenths. Remember, we were just talking about 33 thousandths. He just finds two tenths on everybody, and then, yeah, and then in that in it when Perez was crashing, as Perez was crashing, he was another two tenths up on that lap in sector one alone. So yeah, you, you kind of wonder what, how do you do that? I mean, um, there is no doubt in my mind that that. One one lap drivers, Leclerc has to be like right now in current form has to be on the list of one of the greats, like without a doubt. It just seems like he can't shake some bad luck and curses or Ferrari cannot get their strategy correct. But we'll get to that much later. But I just we just have to settle on the fact that he was he was for sure going to be on pole position. There was no doubt about that. So that didn't that crash. Perez's crash didn't affect I don't I don't think was gonna did not affect in any way the the pole sitter of the lap. So I think that's okay. But I did see that as Perez was crashing, Max's sector one was green over Perez's yellow sector. And whether that would have yielded Perez or, or Verstappen getting ahead of Perez. I think he thinks he does. Right. I think Perez thinks he wouldn't. I don't think he did. I think Perez looked stronger throughout the whole weekend. Yeah, and but how can you? You can't. You can't. You can't keep it going to conspiracy theory on that because that kind of thing has happened in the past. Yeah, it happened last year. Deli- yeah, deliberate stuff goes down to preserve your position. Um, so. I must admit that that did cross my mind when that happened. But then it flashed back to comparing the last year to this year, where during Q3, where uh, Leclerc crashed out, and he couldn't even get his car fixed to go yeah. for the race. Yeah. And then here we go. He's just like killing it, just like wiping it out. He's on pole already. No one's going to take it. And yet he's building on that before the the uh, the wreck there with Perez. And well, I mean, you have to, to, right? You you don't turn that off. Just, yeah, Monte you, Carlo, born and raised, and he's he learned to swim in the swim pool at the swim pool chicane. And I mean, could you just start? You know, after what happened to him last year, can you could you just like? Oh man, this is going to be something. I was stoked because, because honestly, this he this year was the first race that he's ever finished at his home Grand Prix. Finished. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's right. That in 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 a victory, you know, that's a victory in itself that he actually got to finish his home Grand Prix. And I wonder if the fact that he spent his whole life driving that track, being that track, walking those sidewalks, knowing those moments. Maybe he knows something because it did seem like he was just waiting for it. Like throughout mere, throughout Q1 and Q2, he was, I, like I said, I thought science was, science was putting in better laps, more consistently better laps. But then out of nowhere, 
seemingly out of nowhere, Leclerc was like, oh, uh, is it time to go? <laughs> I'll, just, right. I'll just throw yeah. two tenths on this one, and then I'll put another two tenths in sector one. Oh, we're crashed. And you could hear yeah. the disappointment in his voice when the radio came on and he had to stop and abandon the lap. I mean, they told him he knew he, he still had the fastest lap at that point, but he's like, that was going to be a good lap. He was like, that was that was going to be the lap. Yeah, no doubt. Well, and then it's like maybe he finally realized that of all the tracks on uh, for the season, where the where you start is where you finish. It's probably not more true than at Monica. No, definitely not. And we saw that there was there was more overtaking, significantly more overtaking this year than last year's one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But there wasn't. It wasn't a whole lot of 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 position changings that really mattered. And the ones that really did matter were not on track. <laughs> they were during pit lanes and strategy, strategy calls, which we will get to. Um, but we had, we had to wait a, a, quite a bit to even start the race. Didn't we? Oh, well, I was glad that I had that the race had recorded. I came in, late and uh oh, you lucky dog yeah fast forward but you know there were a lot of i, I actually for the first hour or so i just was watching it because of just the, there was such great commentary by between crofty and brundle and, which and what a what an excellent segue dad because i happen to have a bit of audio here oh. of martin brundle uh maybe we we have a segment a new segment that we call moments with martin and that's where we're at right now. Here is our moment with Martin where you can palpably, shall we say, hear his frustration. So you'll actually hear Crofty set him up and then Martin just T-ball home run hit this out of the park. So here, here is your moment with Martin and we'll segue into our discussion of the race. Conditions, it's highly possible we would have had a red flag had we have started racing. Yeah, of course, but, you know, if... Say, why don't we start tomorrow then? You know, if you're going to apply that logic to the extreme, so the throttle works both ways. We have the throttle works both ways. Works both ways. Geez, <laughs> <sighs> ah, yeah. Well, Beautiful. we could just start tomorrow. It probably won't be raining then either. Like, yeah. you could definitely hear great. his frustration when they were talking about that. He's saying, you know, these are the 20 best drivers in the world. There is no one more capable of driving a motor car around anywhere than these guys we have wet tires we have intermediate tires we have um we have the the ability to do this this is part of the sport let's do it hey, bye, golly. and i really was agreeing i i couldn't have agreed with him more i thought it would have made for such an exciting race is that we would have had to you know they would most people would have had to go out on an inters then it would have come down like cats and dogs, and they would have either red flagged it, and then everybody would have changed to wets anyways. Um, but it would have added a lot of excitement to the race. Instead of sitting there twiddling your thumbs, yeah. Which for mo, and I mean, which for a, and it would have added excitement to a race that needs excitement added to it usually. You know, like well, yeah, the great equalizer is rain, right? Well, and 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 yeah. Who's gonna have the guts and who's gonna play it safe and who's gonna who's gonna risk things and who's gonna go for it? I mean, you look at you look at Spa last year 
where Russell just puts the 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 bravest lap of a lifetime, and it turns out is what got him the drive at Mercedes, or 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 put the nail in the coffin, as it would say, um, for that for that drive. Is it isn't also a, always a place for people to stand out. I think of when Max was really young and was early at Red Bull, and there was that wet lap in, or wet race in Brazil, and he just drove past people and i think it was that first insight into that the genius driver the really brilliant talented driver that max is that we're seeing fully realized yeah. now you know the- oh that's just, just, just god it's excitement I, people uh, people rise to the top in adversity and it it changes the trajectory of their career or that, people that fall that sounds exciting for me yeah <laughs> At least it would have been something to watch instead of, you know, the safety car driving Formula One cars around a street. It's like, okay, neat. <laughs> what they could do, what, what it, was it in NASCAR where they have the, the jet turbine strapped to the back of a uh, truck? Oh, yeah. Could drive around the track could you, I, the, the truck track trucks wouldn't even fit. Out. They probably wouldn't even fit on Monaco. <laughs> yeah, they'd probably. They'd well, I don't know. Those the the current F one cars are are two meters wide. I guess it would fit. <laughs> um, that's a that's a that's a Prius here. Hey, right? we'll, we'll just get a good engine here. We'll just burn that rain right off the truck. Oh, I'm that's sure. I'm sure Monaco would have something to say about that. They're like, you cannot, you cannot. Oh, how unsophisticated! These roads are older than your. <laughs> you must not <laughs> destroy the roads. Uh, that's not a French accent. Do and, not scot the paint on the pedestrian crosswalk. Anyways, I was very bummed to not see any standing starts. I think that that was really lame. Um, but then, thanks to the race, I found out why there was the race podcast. Always shout him out because they're always great. Um, but they they said that they during the heavy rain there was a power outage and they could not get. The FIA could not get the grid lights, lights out and away we go, you know, as we say. They could not get mm-hmm. the, the the lights to work reliably that they could be trusted that the race would start. So they just did. That's one of the, the, the main reasons why they did a rolling start um, all of the – after everything, after the red flags, after this, all the different safety car starts, it was because they did not have – reliably working lights so i mean they and but it did cause a lot of people to be discussing including brundle and crofty and and you know fans and stuff writing in that of outrage like why why are we not getting a standing start we we should get standing starts um and it would have been really easy for the FIA to just release a briefing like they do when they want to put cars under note or investigation. They said reasons for starting are we don't have control. We don't have we can't reliably get the lights to to go on and off. So we're gonna just do it this way. And I think everybody would have been a lot more understanding. I know as soon as I found that out, I was much more understanding. Um, but. It, it was a bummer to not see a standing start at Monaco because that is also one of the ways that you get excitement is and a chance to actually get some overtaking or at least some carnage to then allow people to to have the chance to overtake. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
Um, it, that equals excitement to me. So, um, but I then guess there was. Go ahead. Do you remember when Rothberg came on and was commenting on the reasons for holding up? You know about the, how the visors visors fog over and mm. brakes glaze over because of the wet and the cool. Yeah. Um, but then something came out. Just well, don't aren't the visors heated now? Well, they have like, what? They have helmets that they're heated, and that that we saw that <laughs> when they came in when they red flagged the session for the rain, which I think was a safe call. That was way too much rain to drive in. Yeah. You. They okay. said that most of the drivers were were asking for their heated visors to alleviate that fogging, but he said that that was. Uh, that that happened to him and he had like this small little window that he could see out of. Can you imagine driving that track um, <laughs> with a fogged up visor? Like just, just picture it. Next time it rains, guys, don't turn your defroster on. And that's what these dudes are doing on the Formula One track. The, yeah, yeah. the narrowest, bumpiest, roughest Formula One track. And there, and he was driving it blind ostensibly. Yeah. And, and it, not at five or ten miles an hour. <laughs> no, at 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 pace in the wet. Well, too. Race pace, at the at the rain pace, but still. And they, it's not oh, like oh. they can see that much, anyways. I I I was so blown away. I meant to say this when we were talking about Leclerc's uh, cracking, um, uh, pole pole position lap in Q three, but I went back and watched the onboards, and. And it, it, it was like that in the cockpit view. And you really can't see much, like, at all. And it's so bumpy and so I, – I don't I, – my brain just shut off and was like, this doesn't compute, doesn't make sense. Uh, somebody can right. do this. Who, who, in the, who in the world would – I mean, go to travel on down to Target to pick up something and in and, and that kind of rain, you go, I'll just wait. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want. To, I'm going to go five, ten miles an hour in this deluge, and uh, yeah. I mean, there's no question that these guys are the top of the top, top of the top. But do do I don't think that Ferrari's strategists are the top of the top, and because we have to spend significant time discussing how, how in the heck. Did a Ferrari 1-2 turn into a Red Bull 1, Ferrari 2, Red Bull 3, Ferrari 4? How how in the heck did per, did Leclerc go from P1 and leading comfortably at, from some points, 8, 10 seconds ahead of Perez to then finishing fourth behind Perez and Max? I just... mind for a little behind the scenes, me and my dad and I here, Tizas, we just spent the last, I don't know, 40 minutes pouring over, looking at, watching it, taking notes. So we have the answer for you. And it's just silly. It just seems like maybe all the time that Ferrari has spent, and there's been a couple other of these moments already where Ferrari has spent too long out of winning form or shape that I don't know if they're, they're, equipped yet they haven't got their their magic back to make some of these calls or they're scared it seems like they're they're making blunders that are costing them pretty big 
Um, no question about that. So here's how it happened. Lap 15, Gasly pits. He's the first one to go out on to enters. And then on lap 17, he does a 131 while Leclerc and everybody at the top are lapping in the high 133. So he's putting two seconds a lap faster. In some sectors, he's taking seven, five tenths out of sector two alone. So mm-hmm. at that moment, the choice, they say, we got to pit for enters. And it's faster. We should be pitting. We have the gap. Let's do it. They don't. They they hesitate. They don't. Leclerc doesn't do it. They keep going. So Perez does. He takes. He's the first of the leaders of the front pack, and he goes on lap 18. He pins for enters. Or I'm sorry, he goes no, on 17. lap lap seventeen. He pits for enters. Yeah, right. And then that instead of instead of then being the deciding factor, being the ones calling the shots, they have to then react. They react. Lap eighteen. Leclerc comes in for enters and is already behind Perez because Perez is going it is is that much quicker around. And the funny thing is, and this is, I think, a big difference between Sainz and Leclerc, is that they said once Leclerc didn't pit, they said the same thing to Sainz, and Sainz says, absolutely not. We should stay on wets until hards, until we can go back to go straight to slicks. It's right, Tyler. Huh? Go, go to switch directly from wet to, to, to uh, slicks. Correct. Right, Tyler. And he he is calling that. He's not letting them dictate. He's saying, nope, I, I, they've already pitted for enters. Well, that means we're already behind. We have to do this call. And that was, that was highlighted very clearly after both Max, because then Max again pits. He then, they bring Max in on lap 19 for enters. So that's one after Leclerc, I guess, to cover Leclerc off. And they and signs again throughout all of this stays out inherits the race lead, and then on lap twenty two twenty three, so Leclerc holds him off, or I mean signs holds him off all the way to lap twenty two twenty three, and then they pit, and they they pit signs signs goes straight onto hards, and then they tell, um, they tell. Leclerc, right as he's going around Anthony Noakes, to which is shortly, it's right next to the pit lane. The pit lane's right there at the end of of the lap. Um, to pit, and he goes in. They're like box, box, and then as he's already in the pit lane, they say no, stay out. And you hear some expletives fly, which I would be too. But the question that I have for you, Dad, is: Do you think it would have mattered if he wouldn't have pitted there? If he would have stayed out, would that you think that would have kept him ahead of Verstappen to have that, that another lap on the enters, or do you think it would have mattered at all, and that he had already they had already lost that that third place position as well? I I don't know. I think he probably would have fared better if he would have gone around again. He wouldn't have pitted on lap twenty one into lap twenty one. Um, just my just my gut. I guess it would have come down to well, if he wouldn't have pitted lap twenty one twenty two, then he would have been pitting at the same time as the Red Bulls. Yeah, 
because they came in 22, 20, the end of 22, beginning of 23. Yeah. But then they both, they come out both ahead of both Leclerc and, well, Perez comes out ahead of Sainz. Sainz stays in second. Leclerc gets third. Or no, then Max gets third. Leclerc gets fourth. So I think that I think that would have put the the deciding factor on to the pit and whose pit stops would have been faster. But so I think they, I think I, go ahead. No, I don't. I actually don't think it would have mattered because unless, yeah. well, he would have actually it would have mattered. He would have stayed ahead of Verstappen. He one hundred percent would have stayed ahead of Verstappen. Then now that I think about it, because and, I mean the Red Bull does have the advantage of of the position their 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 garage position would have been closer to the pit lane exit so science i think or perez would have gotten out ahead of science i think and then but there's no way that a red bull double stack would be faster than a than a ferrari single and i think right that, and that's what it go ahead that's what happened that's what happened to leclerc he was on a double stack and what was and, and that's how I Perez got ahead correct, of him. And that yeah, and if I recall correctly, um, Sainz stacked first in, in the in, was first in the stack to, and he had a two point five second uh, pit stop, and then Perez comes right in and it was a three second, so five tenths of a second, and you know you kiss on a stack hit it's got to take longer for the second guy has to especially a bl- uh, a blundered second stack yeah and so then he comes out and i mean and then after red bull comes in and pits i mean it was close i mean leclerc was right there and that was when they were talking about oh he crossed the pit lane and he cut leclerc off and and all that stuff. So you, but you add five tenths of a second just from the pit stop doing a single car pit stop. You, you'd have to believe that it would be at least two or three tenths quicker. A hundred. Yeah. You know, Leclerc Leclerc would have been ahead of, uh, Verstappen coming out. And that would have been great because then we could have seen the podium. It would have been better because it would have been more points for Ferrari in the constructors' championship, and we would have had Leclerc on the podium, and we could have heard, we could have seen and heard his disappointment thoroughly of how he should have been, he should have won. But I think they threw away the win. I mean, we we saw that the we saw that the 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 fastest way was to go to enters and then go to softs. So, because Sainz did it, and it didn't work for him. Perez still got out in front of him. So, they should have, if they would have pitted Leclerc immediately in response to Gasly, say, lap 16, I think Leclerc Leclerc would have won that race. I think you're correct. And I think it would have been, it could have been even a Ferrari, it should have been a Ferrari one too. If they, if they would have pitted if they would have double stacked Leclerc and Sainz on lap sixteen, when the, then 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 Perez would have pitted seventeen anyways, but they would have already been lapping so much faster. 
that maybe they would have gotten signs. I don't know, but they definitely Leclerc would have definitely retained the lead of the race. I think. Yeah, that was blunderama, man. We it's like we went to the blunditorium and saw how to lose a race. But but then there was but then science was coming on to Perez quite strong toward the end of the race. We can't forget that. But but we also know that from Danny Danny Rick's last win at Monaco that you can hold off a much faster car for a really long time at Monaco, and we saw well, it with and we saw it with Ocon and we saw it with Ocon and Hamilton. Yeah. But yes, we did. Which we should also yeah. discuss. We should discuss that because I think that that was a, a bogus call uh, that Ocon got penaltyed for for the collision with Hamilton. Hamilton wasn't even close to being half of a car length or alongside of of Ocon going into that going into the, the oh chicane. no that's what? why well that's that's why um, uh, Ocon's rear wheel broke Lewis's front wing is because well no they said it was head. it was wheel to wheel contact so tell me how you get wheel to wheel. Front wheel to rear wheel contact if if the driver's alongside of him. Shouldn't that be front wheel to front wheel contact then? Or really? front wheel to side side or uh uh side pod side pod contact? Yeah. Not wheel to wheel, like because it wasn't until later where Lewis hit the wall that he got the end plate damage. But ah, I guess, but I guess it play it it plays in your favor to be a seven time world champion, correct? And, chance, and to just be an Ocon. But there's, I I thought that that was a big, I mean, a big blunder, a big miss miss call by the FIA, and 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 a sign of that that penalty happy, um, the the penalty af- happy era that we're living in in Formula One, like if anything that should have been a racing incident. Or if anything, really, it should have been Hamilton. Hamilton was the aggressor. He didn't need to make that move. Granted, he was on on faster tires, and I get that that can be frustrating, but that wasn't a move. There wasn't a gap. He wasn't alongside of it. Shouldn't have gotten the penalty for Ocon. He wasn't on the racing line. No. He didn't close the door because the door was never open. You just, you just, you just driving through the door, saying he closed the door on me is like not him closing the door on you. It's just you running into the door. <laughs> but other standouts were Gasly. I think, like you said, he got sabotaged by his own stinking teammate, um, mm. and was looking really fast. But he did. There was a single lap where he passed two people. So. Uh, he passed Joe and um, oh, Ricardo. Yeah, Rick, Mister Sad Pants Ricciardo. Man, Monaco is just not a good place for him. No, he can't be liking yeah. that. I mean, as a former winner of that race, to then be you know being constantly being out qualified and just staying. I don't know. You think are we ever going to see another Shuey? I don't know. I I mean, I didn't think we'd see one last year, and we did. But yeah. the, the car was a lot more competitive last year. No, I mean a real Shuey, the you know, top of the podium Shuey. Well, he got one last year. 
And Monza. Well, when he I won, mean again, I don't know. I mean, the chance of him even getting on the podium, I. Well, the ch- when's, where's the chance thing. of him even qualifying in the top five? Sorry, but I haven't seen it it's just, since la- that race last year. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just, I, just, I like him. I do too, I like so but, but and you hate to see it go like this, but it's the way it is. It is I mean, your, your, your ability and your charisma and your personality only gets you so far if you can't turn up with results. Because his agreement, because his contract is just too expensive. His it's just too expensive to be. You know, he's getting first driver sponsor or first driver pay, and he's not performing like a first rate driver. No. So, um, but we as as disappointing as as the the blunder of Ferrari was. It was definitely the praise of Leclerc. I was so ecstatic that it was a if if we're gonna have a Red Bull win, that it was Perez. I thought yeah, that yeah. just made my day. It couldn't have happened to a better guy. It couldn't happen to and 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 I do want to be clear that it was him and his driving that won him that race too, though. Yeah. His defensive no driving against crap. Yeah, his defensive driving against Science was great, and he was genuinely faster in that Red Bull on that weekend than his teammate was in the other Red Bull. I know there's the crash thing, and that's a small asterisk, but he was consistently out outpacing Max throughout practice and throughout the qualifying up until his crash. It was marvelous. And it and was, then, you know, go ahead. Sorry. No. And then how many laps were they nose to tail? The top four nose to tail. How many was, laps? Well, it was at the, the end of the race. I mean, and you, you know, was Perez kind of playing with them or was tires going off? But again, it's a racetrack where, like you said before, the slower car can hold off a much faster car for a long time at that. Point. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if Perez was playing with Science, but I can definitely tell you Alonzo was playing with Hamilton because <laughs> he backed him up so far that I remember he's like, "What's the gap? What's the gap to the cars in front?" And I think there was like, it would be easier to tell you what's the gap to them behind you. <laughs> it's like forty-five <laughs> seconds or something like that, and then all of a sudden Hamilton or Alonzo. Just say, I guess he'd been saving his tires and just keeping them back, but all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah. just pulls out four seconds on Hamilton. <laughs> I think, I think Alonzo was just playing him, so they would have to that Hammy Hamilton would have to make a pit stop for a diaper change. I mean, he was just, you know how Lewis is. With, yeah. Hey, I'm Lewis Hamilton, and people should just get out of my way. It's, Oh gosh! But we also have to talk about how great Russell did again. I got to get that guy in my fantasy team. I know. I keep. I just. It's like I don't. I just don't really like him that much. Um. <laughs> and, uh, but he is again. That was another top five finish for for Russell. He has not finished below P five. The entire season. 
on all kinds of tracks. On on all kinds. I mean, he is one hundred percent Mister Consistency this year. If, That's what I was just thinking. You took the you took it right out of my brain. It's like, how consistent can you be? Yeah, and not be on my fantasy team. Come on. I I, I don't know. I just I think I I just can't. I don't. I got to bite the bullet and just pick him. I almost put Norris on my fantasy team as well. Mm. I did pick McLaren after their, their good showing. Well, was that a flash in the pan or what? I guess so. Well, Norris did great. Norris finished P6. But anyways. It wasn't P5. Uh, it wasn't <laughs> And Leclerc, Leclerc did at least break the curse and did finish in Monaco Grand Prix and has that to his name, but it was still disappointing. And then he said, well, I'm getting pretty used to disappointment here. <laughs> oh, I didn't hear that. Yeah. <laughs> A little dig in the, in the pants. But the other, the other talking point that we have to never talk about is that did we also, was this the last Monaco Grand Prix that we'll see? Boy. Because their contract with Formula One ended at that race. They do not. There, there's no contract for next year's calendar. Um, and I haven't heard anything out of Liberty or anything to the contrary to date. So, what I mean, I know we discussed this on last year's Monaco Grand Prix with with uh, Dan. So you weren't there. So. We'll have to get into it a little bit with you, but what do you think? Do you think Monaco deserves a spot on the calendar? Yes or no? Just gut reaction. No. No. Why? That took me by surprise. It, I'm not going to lie. It, it's an incredibly, maybe I just did it to get you. <laughs> but when, you, when I start to think about stuff, what is it? It takes like 10 days to set that course up. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's been some really radical changes to the rules to allow for more passing, but it's still, um, you can only live on the race in Monte Carlo for so long. You know, it's like we're talking about Danny Rick. You can only live on charisma and fun and laughs and a pleasant personality for so long. Then you got to start winning races. But don't you think that sometimes it's, Sort of boring. I 100% think that their race is boring. I'm, I'm, there's nobody, yeah. I, I mean, like I said, leading up to this race when we were talking with Matt, that it's quali- qualifying is their race. The race is on Saturday at Monaco, unfortunately. I did think that this race, this particular Monaco Grand Prix, was one of the more exciting Grand Prix that we'd seen. We did see more overtaking, but again, it wasn't. It wasn't as good as it could have been. And the my only the only thing that I really, really like about Monaco is it does demonstrate the driver's ability quite well. It does highlight the difficulty. I think I do think the setting is beautiful. It is unlike any track that we have on the calendar. That how narrow it is, the layout it has. Um, how bumpy it's, it is truly like the last remaining real road course in the sense that it's like the entire circuit is public road. Like at any time given the year, you can go to there 
and you can drive the Monaco Grand Prix circuit. That's a cool, but it is does make for a boring event, and that and and really, Liberty Media and F one has no obligation, and it actually would be more beneficial to them to remove it from the calendar because there are so many special allotments that because of the length of time and the governmental setup or how the race is scheduled, that there are so many things that Monaco has special allotment for that no other racetrack has. And it causes problems for for F1 and Liberty all sorts of ways. So as one is that they have a set date that the race takes place on because of, like you alluded to, the amount of time and planning and, and it takes to actually set the event up. Um, they have a set date because, you know, I'm sure this, the, the billionaires and multi-hundred millionaires and people that live in Monaco really don't like their lives being interrupted inconveniently. And so they'll right. tell them can imagine, when. Yeah, can you can you imagine coming into your neighborhood where you live, and for virtually two weeks it's screwed up. You know your traffic. Uh, it's just a mess. Yeah, and you know that equals lots of money, and I think that's I think that may be a big factor. Is that it just spends too much money and. It's kind of this blip. Isn't it kind of hard? Well, I guess they're going to Azerbaijan. I suppose it's sort of on the way from Spain. But, but that's, that's, geez, only- that's one of the things that really is throwing a wrench in the calendar season as it is, is that they always have to throw. Monaco is always at the same time. And so it's can't, they can't be very they, too creative with the calendar to, to lump more European Grand Prix together and lump more more Northern America races together because Monaco has to fall when Monaco has to fall. That was my first point. My second point was, is Monaco specifically owns the rights to advertising around the Monaco circuit is the next big thing that they have that other races don't have. So for you who noticed that the global sponsor of F1 is Rolex, but the track sponsor of the Monaco Grand Prix was Tag Heuer. I don't yep. think Rolex is too fond of the fact that they spend, I don't want to know how many hundreds or <laughs> millions of dollars to be the global uh-huh. and official timepiece of Formula One to then see Tag Heuer signs everywhere when you go to the race where the most of the audience who's there are the actual people that can afford to buy their watches. <laughs> like that's Are the biggest that's market. Paradox? <laughs> it's like your biggest market for your sponsor is that race or one of the biggest sponsors for that or biggest moments of advertising is that race and it somebody else has control over whose signs go up where? I don't think so. And then lastly, there's so many regulations that Monaco gets exempt for chief of one being race distance. It doesn't meet the minimum race distance requirements for F1, but it's allowed because of the of a rule that was agreed upon way back in the day that they didn't think cars would be able to meet it, the minimum race distance. So 
you have all of these reasons where to me and then and then and you have a lack of does i i think a lack of definitely television desire i think a lot i would love to see the data to see if television viewerships of monaco's race go down i know they didn't have any shortage of there was no empty seats there but i think being at monaco is very different than watching monaco because if you ask me what's a short list of races you would like to go to on the calendar monaco to be at monaco would be very high at my list but to watch the race i wouldn't be wanting to go to monaco to to see the race i'd be wanting to go to monaco to be at monaco during a grand prix to me that seems iconic and maybe that's why i'm hesitant to say pull it but the other thing that is open is restructuring the course like there's got to be a way i think it was on the races f1 the race f1's instagram they posed a potential course change to like make mm -hmm. to try and bring some different or more wide maybe some wider drs zones so that we actually do we could still have the iconic street course of monaco but updated Make it so there is a position where more overtaking can happen. And then I think if we could do that, that would be ideal. And I think we'd, 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 we'd kill both, you know, two birds with one stone by getting to keep the historic Monaco Grand Prix, have the location, have the billionaire, have the, the Playboy lifestyle, the whole, the whole shebang, but then actually give us, the fans who can ever and probably will never be able to afford to go to that race, a good race to watch. That's yeah. my, that's my, but, but I think in order to do that, Monaco is going to have to concede some of these special stipulations, which they don't want to do. And formula one has no reason to re-sign them because they, they don't want, Oh, the other shoot. I almost forgot. The other big one is Monaco also retains the rights for the broadcast of the Monaco Grand Prix. They dictate what we see on TV. It's the only race on the calendar like it, too. That's why we have blunders like last year when it was, what was it, Vettel and Gasly going up the hill and the camera cuts away to Perez or replay of someone coming out of the pit lane. It's like, ugh, if you're going to do it, do it well at least or give it to somebody who is going to do it well. Not that that's F1 or Sky. They've been doing a terrible job this year as well. But... For all those reasons, Formula One and Liberty Media have no incentive to re-sign with Monaco. And Monaco, you know, would probably have to concede a lot of the things that they don't want to concede to then re-sign and change the track layout. And I'm sure to change the track layout, you would then have to go through so many city committees and stuff, you know. And are more people going to want more of their life interrupted if by extending or changing the track layout? I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Monaco's can. I don't know why I feel that way, but for well, for the reasons you have described so well, it's it's kind of a it's well, a bygone thing. Well, here's to, a, here's another reason why I think it might be canned is that because of shows like Drive to Survive. And the fact that there was a 40-something, 40%, 40 increase in younger viewers after, the, after Drive to Survive, 
And we're seeing that continue the popularity of the sport with younger and younger and different generation, you know, more Americans. Yeah, I mean, we have a podcast dedicated to the fact that more Americans are getting into the sport. They don't have, they don't care about the history. They haven't been around, you know, all the people who are so, you can't take Monaco off. It's so special. It's so important are dying. No offense. But I mean, I mean, if you were around in the fifties, you ain't, you're getting old now. <laughs> and, I'm here to tell you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. News bulletin, bulletin. There's nothing like you, baby. But, but again, those older viewers, those prestigious viewers are also the viewers with a lot of money too. More typically. Oh, come on. Monaco doesn't need a Grand Prix to. The other thing is, it is the other thing. Sorry, keep going. Yeah, the, Monaco doesn't need a race. They, they're like that all the time. Sure, 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 sure. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm just saying that F I F one, you know, a lot of their revenue does come from people buying stuff and the sponsor and people buying stuff of the sponsors of that sport. So, but the other thing is that has been thrown out there that. Because the current F1 guidelines also say that there's, unless they change them, that they're, that the race season is limited to a 24 race season. So the other thing that's been thrown out there is that you may have on and off years. So that could be a, a budgeting a, a, a thing that comes in is that, hey, okay, so every two years we race at Monaco? Maybe that actually makes it more special. Um, or have a hiatus and say, and, and then, and we're coming back to Monaco after a four-year hiatus. Yeah, maybe it's like the Olympics. We only do it every four years. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe I'd like it more if it was I had to sit through a boring race every four years because I do love Monaco qualifying. It is one of the highlights to me. Monaco qualifying is one of the highlights of the season. And even Brundle said himself well, is, you know, the the most nervous he ever was was Q3 Monaco of, of the whole season. That was the most nervous he ever was. It felt there is something, there was something special and nerve-wracking about that place and that time. And it does, I do think it does highlight the skills of the driver and it does highlight the agility and I mean, it's not the fastest track, but it does. The cars look sometimes look the fastest on TV going around that circuit. You know what I'm saying? Well, like you just have to have the the track so doggone narrow. Just take a ride in the cockpit view, man. I'm telling you, that that's freaky. So, uh, I would love it if we could get some some fan engagement. So maybe on Instagram. When I post this episode, the episode captions of this, maybe in the comments, let us know what you guys think. Do you guys want to see Monaco stay? Do you guys want to see Monaco leave? Do you want to see maybe a new Monaco circuit layout that makes it a more interesting track? Or do you think that would be not good? Or do you want to see it Monaco come and go from the calendar occasionally? Maybe a, a rarer more infrequent journey to the crown jewel of F1. Um, 
let us know in the comments. I would really, really love to know what y'all think and get a little dialogue going. Uh, what do you say, Dad? You want to hear from the from the from the fans? Uh, like what's Instagram, man? <laughs> <laughs> like what's Instagram? Yeah, I shouldn't have kicked it to you. I'm removing all doubt that I'm an old guy. I guess okay. you'll have, yeah. How about this? Brilliant. Start commenting on our Instagram just so I can make dad get an Instagram to go and look at the comments. <laughs> That's reason <laughs> enough for you all to go and leave a comment after listening to this podcast. Please go leave a comment letting us know what you think about the future of Monaco on Instagram so that we can force my dad to figuring out how to get on Instagram. <laughs> Because that's going to be worth it alone. We'll let you know how it goes on the next podcast. What do you say, Dad? Oh, I love the way you love me. Love the way. <laughs> love the way you love me, babe. Love me, baby. Okay. Well, speaking well, of love, I, I love idea. I love all of you guys for your support, your ongoing support of this podcast. Wait, 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 Okay. You know, I just, I want to really, really honor, honor you right now because um one of your best friends basically your best friend probably has just lost his grandpa and and he was an important part of your life too and and that was just yesterday i know you're doing this with a heavy heart and you know this one's for frank yeah truly one of the greatest humans i've ever met (laughs) Um, yeah and and you know dustin your good friend and you know I, I'm half fond of him too. I, I, hey, Dustin, if you're out there listening, to, you know I, I I love you about at least fifty one percent of the time. But <laughs> yeah, so, so I just thought I know you did this with a heavy heart, son. And well, it was yeah. also part of the re- one of the reasons that this this podcast was somewhat delayed coming out. So, but um, yeah, but regardless, um, thank you, Dad. But um, uh, I do really appreciate this podcast and the the time it allows me to spend with you and 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 I'm constantly blown away at the number of people that we have that listen and tune in and it it does mean a lot to me. Um, it's it's a super fun hobby to have and I I just want to thank you deeply all from the bottom of my heart and uh, I I appreciate all the support that we have. Um, so yeah, thank you and thank you, Dad, for yeah. taking time out and and spending it with me and. Talking about Formula One, well, I just love it. Like, like hanging with you is not one of my favorite things in the whole world, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and looking forward, we do have one of my favorite tracks, Azerbaijan, up next. Um, oh man, we totally—we're oh, trying to cut this early, and we didn't even talk about the fact that um, Perez got his contract extension. Um, well, what do you know? At, at the, I think it must have happened before the Monaco Grand Prix because he had that that slip foible where he said, "Maybe I signed too early," <laughs> and then they signed what? Checo and he, uh, bottle a bottle of champagne. <laughs> <laughs> that was, and that oh, was... did you hear also the drama of of Yaz publicly castrating the uh? On Max's website, releasing an official statement like chastising Red Bull for not for allowing Perez to win the race, and that it should have been Max, and that Red Bull's being dumb to not put their points behind 
um, their their championship leader, and I just man, what a untack, what a tacky, tacky, awful move. I think yeah. on that part. Yeah. And Max That's had to have signed off on it. If you think about it, if it was posted on his website. But, well, I don't know. Yaz kind of kind of weasels his way into a lot of stuff in his kid's life, I think. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm well, you, I, I he heard did. that, that he's, you know, and we did toward the end of last year start seeing Yaz in the in the pedic and the garage a lot more frequently. And yeah. And I mean, I mean, when I first started watching Formula One, uh, you know, Yaz was a driver and I mean, I just liked his name. You know, the name was cool. <laughs> yeah, the name was cool, but I don't think the guy. I don't is. remember any great driving moments. But I think other, there's some there's some also easy. abusive history there as well. Yeah, um, he's a real waspy sort of guy. That's for sure. But the thing that I do like about Perez, another thing that I do like about Perez's contract extension is a, I think he's earned it. He's been driving exceptional this year, and. B, he is only six points, or no, not six points. He's only six points behind Charles Leclerc right now. And he's only 15 points behind Verstappen right now. So he is 100% in contention for the world title. Like 100%. They, they, they can't, like Yaz said, just give the points to Max. Just swap the places. There was no easy way. They couldn't have done that here without giving Sainz to lead of the race, A. And B, if you want your kid to do better, have him do better. <laughs> but the last time I checked, he got out-qualified. So, and yeah, I love, like, the but, other thing yeah. I love from this race is that it, it ends that st- Stupid statistic that every race that Max finishes, he finishes first. Not this one. So. Checker was just better. Checker was just better this time. He just was better, and he's earned that contract. He deserves that contract. On the hardest driver's course, he was just better. And I really, really hope, oh, man, do I hope, that if I'm not going to see science mount a challenge fight because he got passed by George Russell this race. Now George Russell is currently in fourth place in the world, in the world standings, world championship standings. So I'm really shifting a lot, a lot of my, um, a lot of my, uh, well, uh, sorry. Um, I'm shifting a lot of my fandom and, and attention and elite or like a cheering, yeah. On to Checo Perez. I think he's going to be a, quickly becoming a, a joining of my team if I can get him, if I can afford him. Um, I think the rising, the Perez, the Checo Perez rising star is still rising, um, and I would love for them to. I'd love to see a championship battle, and I think he has no reason not to keep going. He's got the two year contract. Well, it, it's, it's so bag. close. You can't. You can't play. Heavy team rules when your drivers are so close. Are that close. And and I love that he's keeping it there because the 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 backlash of of, of like they're quickly soon you're not gonna be able to tell Checo to get out of the way for Max without a damn good reason. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, who got fastest lap by the way this race? Do you remember? Uh, 
I want to say they pitted Max for it. They had a free pit stop for Max. I don't. Oh know. well. Uh, yeah, we need to. I can I can find it for you real fast. No. I would. Uh, it's not important, I guess, unless it was a Red Bull point. Yeah, fastest lap. Uh, it says that it was Norris. Yeah, Norris well, got the fastest lap. So it wasn't it okay. wasn't either Ferrari or Red Bull. Red Bull had the fastest pit stop and driver of the day unequivocally was Checo Perez. I think soon, mm. if it wasn't going to be Checo, it should have been Gasly because Gasly was amazing as well. Um, but on that note, we do Stay love you. Stay tuned, everybody. Stay tuned. We'll be back with you guys after Azerbaijan a week from now. And, yeah, thanks, Dad. Thanks, guys. I had a blast. Woohoo!